Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Almost 100% of my friends that are, you know, real friends that I have a lot of interaction with say that they do not have positive experiences on Facebook. They hate Facebook, but if they leave, they're afraid that they're not going to be able to see their friends again. That was Cindy Sheehan talking about Facebook. And I'll be right back with our full conversation after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now let's get back to the show. I'm here with Cindy Sheehan. Cindy, welcome back to Post Woke. Oh, Mickey, it's great to be back on. Thank, thank you, you very for much. inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. If, and if listeners check the show notes, they'll find the link to the previous podcast we did. It was episode 27 back in March. And in that episode, Cindy offered a very detailed bio in case there's anyone who doesn't know our history or wants to refresh their memory on their history. You can go back and check that. But also in this episode's show notes is a link to Cindy's Substack. I highly recommend you subscribe. But you will not find a link to her Facebook page because, <laughs> drum roll please, Cindy has made the jailbreak from the <laughs> censored cesspool that Zuck built. So, my uh -huh. friend, how is life without Facebook so far? Well, it's been, let me see, I, I did it last Wednesday, so almost a week, I guess, tomorrow, because this is, as we're recording, this is a Monday. But um, I just have, I spent 2021, uh, seven months of 2021 on 30-day bans. So that's uh, over half the year, obviously. Seven consecutive 30-day bans? No, 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 no. Uh, like uh, I, I well, would cumulatively, get like, okay. Yeah, I'd get a 30-day ban and I'd be on, on for a couple more days and then they'd put me back on the ban <laughs> and stuff. So <laughs> it was just like really stupid and this year i finally got off my seventh band like in the middle of january and so that overlapped from 2021 to 2022 and and um i haven't been banned since then but they are shadow banning me mm. you know i would go from uh dozens and dozens of comments hundreds of likes uh and lots of shares you know on on my posts and practically nothing wow. uh, and so it and even when um facebook wasn't so um you know quick to censor wasn't so tied in 
with uh, with the deep state you know, military industrial complex, whatever they're tied into, you know, even then I felt like when Facebook came on and you're, you're a longtime activist, I'm a longtime activist. I feel like when Facebook came on the scene, activism went way down, like actually people getting out on the streets. Yes. It went way down. I think it was super harmful for street heat. And then of course, when we were able to start streaming things, People were like, "Well, I don't even have to leave my house. I can yep. just, I can just watch this, this protest, this march, this, um, you know, talk, whatever. Uh, I can just watch it on live stream." And and so that harmed um, actual people getting out uh, to meet with each other to organize. All of a sudden, all of the meetings were on, you know, um, Zoom or or whatever. And I know when I was organizing women's march against the Pentagon, women's march on the Pentagon in 2000. And um, I think in 17 was the first year or 18 was the first year we did it. And when I was organizing that, I would actually go out to each online commu a community that had ro arose online to support, I made a, a, an effort to go to each one of those in person. So we could do some in-person organizing, just not, you know, this uh, online computer, uh, whatever organizing. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think it had really harmed. I mean, I have uh, 14,000, I had 14,000 fans on my Soapbox fan page. I had about 4,500 friends and on my, on my personal page, and it didn't seem to do anything to increase my visibility, to increase um, donations, or when I would do fundraising appeals, or when I would try to organize people to be at a certain place at a certain time. I, I didn't really, really find it super helpful in any of those kinds of things either. And I just think when I first started after my son was killed, uh, all of the, the protests were like advertised via email list. And so, um, and still was the old fashioned way of like, if there was going to be a protest in New York city, the New York activists would, um, come together to organize it or spread the word about it. Yeah, we or, put up flyers, old yeah, fashioned yeah. flyers. Oh, yeah. I know. And then when you got there, people would be handing out, um, pamphlets and uh, newspapers or whatever. And so that just that just all kind of dissipated, I think, during the social media. And I don't know anything about Twitter. So I'm going to talk about Twitter. I, I haven't had a Twitter account for like 10 years. So I'm not even on Twitter, which I think there's I don't know if there's more visibility on Twitter for certain things. But so yeah, even before the it came to where I think Correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw an earlier time, but I, th I think the um, hiding of material, banning of um, users, shadow banning of users and censorship, I think it started uh, really around Russiagate in 2016. If yeah. people had a different opinion on why, you know, <laughs> war criminal Hillary Clinton Clinton, the most like unlikable evil woman in in the United States, lost her 
lost her presidency, you know, it had to be Russia. So I think that's when it really started bad. And, you know, then of course there was a suppression of, you couldn't talk about Hunter Biden and yep. his, his crimes and his crimes in Ukraine and China and using his name to, to enrich himself and his family and of the fact that he's a drug addict, you know, and we don't make fun of drug addicts or whatever that, you know, that's a personal problem. That's really hard. But this is the son of the president of the United States who, you know, is doing breaking laws that his dad actually wrote. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, can't talk about that though you know no. so, so i just think i got i know i got in trouble um for criticizing obama on facebook i know i've gotten in trouble for criticizing israel i know and then definitely when i started questioning not so much like the lockdowns and mass mandates and everything which i'd always questioned i'd always like i'd always try to bring up things like Okay, so everything shut down except the liquor store that's across the, that's open that's across the street from my gym that is closed. Yeah. You know who who would you trust more to to be healthy? Someone going to a liquor store, <laughs> buying <laughs> smokes and, and alcohol, or someone going to the gym? You know, and so I just started like putting out these kind of contradictions and hypocrisies. And, but, but then, so I did probably got a few bands in 2020, 2021 is when I started, you know, um, actively criticizing the vaccine. Yeah. And I was... don't know if you want me to say that if you're going to, no, I'm, we're on Substack, so we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the fact that you had to ask me that. I know, is, huh? We could have just had that soundbite and be, oh, this is why Cindy left Facebook. Like you literally had to, if you're on Facebook, you have to speak in code. And mm -hmm. even, then, even then you might be banned. Let me, when, now, when you, you said you got in trouble for questioning Obama, not from Facebook though, but from, from other people, am I, am I, you wouldn't get banned for, for criticizing Obama, did you? Yeah, I think so. Because oh. I think I got reported. Oh, I think people okay. reported okay. me. So, okay. yeah, I, I did. Right. Well, of course, I'm not. I'm not talking about the other users. <laughs> that <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, where did you come from when you say something controversial and and they jump on you? Don't even know who that is or where they're coming from or anything. Oh, Cindy, I used to support you so much, and I'd be <laughs> like, really? Who are you? <laughs> I don't remember you ever sending me a check. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't remember meeting you at any of my events or whatever. So how, what do you think? How did you support me? I, I've seen that on yeah. your wall, particularly yeah. on, the, on the trans issue. Cindy, uh -huh. I've always been with you, but now I've lost you. You're like, excuse yeah. me, yeah. You're, what's your name again? Like, I know, yeah. really. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you've always right. had, you've always had a very active Facebook page. So mm -hmm. for you to, to talk about um, shadow banning, and for people who don't know, it, it's essentially this loss of visibility the algorithm just kind of disappears you off the news feed yep. and you could you could post anything from a cat picture to a controversial post and you'll get zero likes or interactions and you're like you you find yourself even posting something else and saying does anybody see this like you think you're losing your mind because right. one minute you're getting hundreds of reactions and then literally zero and it has to do with with the how the bots are trained to um Right. squash people like you and mm -hmm. it's 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 fascinating it, it, i just want to go back to a point that you made about how social media squashed the street heat i i 
I definitely lived through that. I, it was a straight. It was different, maybe with Occupy in the beginning, yeah. because it was they had a media section in the park. But I can remember prior to Occupy. One of my books came out, and I did a talk at Barnes and Noble in Tribeca. I don't even know if it's still there, downtown New York. And I was I was giving the talk, and then we're doing the Q and A. And someone asked me a question that didn't have to do with the book, and it wasn't in my area of expertise, so I didn't want to answer it. And someone else raises their hand and said, "Oh, I can I can chime in here." And then these two people are having a conversation in the audience, and then someone else asked a question, and suddenly by the end of the Q and A, it was this collaborative effort. And then while I was sitting up there signing books at the end, I was watching, and people who showed up to the talk separately were talking and left together. Right, right. And like you said, that can't—that's just never going to happen mm -hmm. on Twitter or Facebook. And I never—I'll never forget how proud I was of that moment, where I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know whatever became of that connection, but I felt like, all right, I was a catalyst there, and those guys can take it wherever they want. That's none of my business to some degree, and. I agree with you. Like social media kind of replaced um, any sense of genuine activism with a really kind of just romanticized uh, virtue signaling. And it, it's then I, I have a quote actually that, that I think connects this to to it. Um, the internet pioneer Jaron Lanier. He's, yes. he, he explains social media this way. People are clustered into paranoia peer groups because then they can be more easily and predictably swayed. And it's, it sounds pretty accurate to me from my own mm -hmm. experiences. I know I've fallen prey to this because I have no delusions that I somehow are immune to this 24-7 programming. I'm going to have moments of weakness in there. And I am tempted to follow to join you because I feel the shadow banning and I find myself on Substack where I, I could spend more time there. I could say whatever I want. Some people do use it like social media, meaning that the connections are trivial and disposable. The, someone will, will, will um, subscribe and write me some love letter about what I wrote. And then two days later, I'll see an email, dis email disabled and it's very disposable. It's that whole uh. quote unquote friendship. But I, I do find that that Substack is leaning in a in a more it's no, it's no replacement of face to face but it is it's definitely more free speech and definitely more um people you're not going to get shadow banned like people can find you and interact with you and then interact with each other in the comments have you experienced yep. that too we, I have and it's it's more quality you know the comments are longer Yes, they're, they're more thoughtful. And um, I have had other of my readers or, or listeners or viewers for, you know, whatever I'm doing, they uh, comment with each other and interact with each other. And so it, it's more when I left Facebook last Wednesday, and it was hard, it was hard, Mickey, um, to do that, because Facebook and other social media platforms, but I'm just going to concentrate on Facebook because that's the only social media I did. Well, it addicts you. Yes. It addicts you to Facebook like you get addicted to opioids or something. It, uh, but like you said, these click bots and, and, and the bots and, and the clickbait, it knows what you want to see and it knows how, what makes you feel good. It knows what makes you feel bad. And it knows that if you're angry, 
you'll stay on longer and be mm -hmm. exposed to more ads. And so the algorithms, like you said, um, addict us to uh, wanting to stay on. And then we have this fear of missing out. Oh my God, if I leave Facebook, I'm gonna miss out on something. Yep. And a lot of my friends have commented like that. Oh, we're gonna miss you on Facebook. And I'll tell them, well, I'm here. You know, I'm just not, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't really matter where we connect as long as we stay connected. And if they're true comrades, you'll still stay correct, connected with them on or off Facebook. And That's why it. do you want to constantly, constantly be in search of something that aggravates you or angers you and then get involved with people you don't even effing know. And then you know, you're getting into these long, um, debates or really attacks on, on each other um, because you have a, a different feeling. So you're doing all of this. And I know everybody, almost 100% of my friends that are, you know, real friends that I have a lot of interaction with, say that they do not have positive experiences on Facebook. They hate Facebook. But if they leave, they're afraid that they're not going to be able to see their friends again. Well, when I said I was going to leave, I probably got like, I said in here, subscribe to Substack with, within like three or four days, I had 300 people follow me from Facebook to nice. Substack and they keep on coming and they keep on coming. And you know what? The ones that don't follow me, they weren't seeing, they were probably, they could have been um, fake accounts. You know, they could have been bots. They could be dead <laughs> for all I know, you know? So the, so the quality people who have been interacting with me, they can still interact with me and know what I'm doing. And I think you use, uh, I know you post a lot of memes and, and things like that on your Substack several times. And so I, I do think that it could be um, a different way that, that we can um, interact with each other where we don't have to constantly think, oh, what should I say besides vaccine? So the people will know I'm really talking about the vaccine, but not say it. And so the thing is, ever, like Jaron Lanier, I'm glad you brought him up because he says, every time you click something on social media, you're making the owners rich. Yep. You know, they're getting money. So, so the longer they can, they, let's see. The more they can addict you for the longer, the longer you can stay on their platform, the more money they're making. So you know that that's what, that's what they're doing. And so we're making people like Zuckerberg rich, fabulously rich, you know, one of the richest uh, people in the world. And he gets to, and I'm just using him as a, you know, the, yeah. the face of Facebook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he puts his face out there all the time. But, but he gets to decide what we can say and what we can read or what we're gonna, or what we're gonna see. So he's getting the billions of dollars. We're getting the censorship and aggravation. And so it's like this, this circle jerk, this never ending um, yep. awful situation. We, and, and why are we doing that to ourselves to make him rich? And can you just see like his smarmy laughter? Like, uh, oh, look at all those idiots. You know, I'm king. I'm king of meta. 
Yeah, it's, he, the way you just described him, it was like a banana republic dictator. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the longer we're on there, the longer the intelligence community and the corporations collect more data from us. Mm-hmm. Like ev- everything we do, like you said, every click is telling them something about us that can be used against us as um, consumers and against us as citizens. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it's it's – and I wanted to – Go back to what you said about the people who didn't follow you over or the ones who said, I'm going to miss you as if you were dying. I know, really. <laughs> and, and it feels like it's a, it's a you highlighted an example of how performative social media is. Like if somebody knows you, right, like I emailed you and said, hey, I just I wanted to check in. No one's going to until I mention that no one's going to know that I emailed you Um except you right. and I, right. but if I messaged on your wall, I'm now virtue signaling that I'm noticing that Cindy's leaving and I'm going to express my magnanimous um, sympathy for this whole situation. And, and perhaps people will click over to my page and follow me. And, and there's right. all this, right. It's, so it's very performative. And, and that goes back to what you said. It's like someone saying to you, everyone saying to you, I hate Facebook, but I refuse to leave. You could just take the word Facebook out and and insert any addictive. uh, It could be drugs. It could be gambling. As you said, I mean, because why else does someone stay when they almost universally tell you they hate it there? And and you literally can turn the computer off. It's not – well, I guess I shouldn't downplay because a literal addiction, you can't just turn it off. And right. I don't, and I know that this, there's, there's a lot of technicalities as to whether internet addiction is officially a DSM um, uh, uh, condition or disorder, but it certainly sounds like it's moving in that direction. And that fear of missing out sounds as much like any type of anxiety I've ever heard of in my life where you've lost your identity because you're not finding out what was said next in the thread that you were involved in. And, right. <laughs> and, and so, so you're doing what well, you're doing, what you normally do. You're leading by example saying, well, you know, we can, we can continue these conversations in a higher quality way without, um, all the negatives you just described from Zuckerberg or and anyone else who runs the other social media groups, and we could use our subsects as we like. It struck me. Um, I've been on Substack now since November, and it struck me at some point a couple of months ago that if I really appreciate, I'm just a fan of memes. I just think they're funny. Yeah. And I said on the weekends, maybe where traffic is down or something. Why couldn't I share a meme? So I did it once, and it got more traffic. And I was like, oh. I, I post a lot because I enjoy writing. It's not, it's, it's what right. I've always done. I've always yeah. been very prolific and it's just my style. And, but sometimes I just want to treat it like my Facebook page, but not have all the negatives of Facebook. And so I think that, that, um, and, but then just recently, literally like yesterday, perhaps, or the day before the, the, I wanted to post the video that's making the rounds of, a man calling a pharmacist after his yeah. child. Right? Oh, I, so I you, sobbed. Yeah. I sobbed after I heard that. So then I'm thinking, I wanted to post it. For a second, I thought about posting it on Facebook, and I realized the pretzel I would have had to twist myself into to post it without getting banned. Mm-hmm. And I said, even just doing that, we're normalizing this. We're saying, you know, Facebook is worth becoming like disingenuous and, and making up a new language just to tell you what happened in the world. And so you're kind of leading by example saying, well, it's tough because we're all addicted because they targeted all of us. 
but the fact that you did leave and you're a high profile person is a great leading by example moment. Well, and it, <clears throat> cause I was also addicted, obviously, <laughs> you know, so it, it's hard. It is a uh, uh, super hard to break this addiction, but uh, it's, it's almost like even the people who I love and who I know um, really well, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a part of them now. And it's like they'd have to give up a part of them mm -hmm. if they uh, wanted to give up uh, Facebook. But the only thing that I kept coming back to is like, I'm getting all this aggravation and this twerp in Palo Alto, Alto is buying up real estate, laughing at us for um, still being part of his, of his uh, platform. And I just, I just can't accept that anymore. And there's more, there's more to life than uh, social media. Why don't you go be social? Yeah. <laughs> go be social. And, and um, I had another, another good point about not being on Facebook. Well, you talked about digital ID, but they, they're going to, this is going in the way of making all of our interactions um, virtual. Yeah. And I don't want all of my interactions to be virtual. I don't want Zuckerberg and Mr. Google and Mr. I don't know who owns these Google or Twitter or whatever. I don't want them having all, I don't want them knowing more about me than I know about myself. And I want to tell you those algorithms. That's why people joke and say, Hey, I was just thinking about buying an alarm clock. The first ad I saw on Facebook was for an alarm clock. <laughs> Facebook knows you need an alarm clock before you even know you yeah. need an alarm clock. So I, I just don't, I don't, we oppose digital IDs. We oppose everything being virtual, but the longer we stay on Facebook, the faster we're going to be sucked in to all of our interactions, sex, going out to dinner with somebody, school, whatever we do, it's going to have to be virtual or we won't be able to do it. Yep. They're going to freaking lock us in our houses again. And look at me, I'm getting all upset. <laughs> and so the only way they can do that is if we allow ourselves to be a sucked along into their crap pit. That's <laughs> the you, only way it's going to happen to us. Are you doing a double entendre there? Are you saying zucked along or sucked along? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. I like both. that. Zucked yeah. along. Yeah. Into, we, got, we, we get zucked in here. But no, then it, then it connects. But I'm glad you got worked up about that because it connects directly to all the questions that you and I have had as to um, the lockdowns and how they were so accepted because if you normalize just think about the next generation you know we, we were talking a little bit off the air about that the next generation is going to see isolation as a lot more normal unless we don't make don't let that happen and right. we have a lot more power because we have the power to say no if we don't want a cashless society, we keep using cash. We don't, when given the option in a store to use cash or not, you take the you take the cash option. Like there are still options, like DIY, grassroots type of stuff that all of us could be doing. People who have the resources to grow their own food, pe people that can do communal living. There's so many things that people can do, but they're so brilliant at making us feel power powerless and wanting to trust the experts and we've been watching this in action 
for two and a half years. So as, uh-huh. as, as um, let me do a time check here, but I wanted to guess ask kind of a political question, but feeding off of what we said, uh-huh. ba- based on all this, well, first of all, it's a two part question. Do you think we're on the verge of a Republican landslide in 2022 and then 2024? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if so, do you think there's any chance in hell that any of them are serious about reducing big tech censorship or medical tyranny or either or, or they do what politicians mm-hmm. always do, lie right. while running for office and then bow to the great reset crowd once they're in office? What are your thoughts on that general concept? Okay. Can I just make one observation about sure. what we're talking about before I answer that question? Please do. The other day I was thinking, because, you know, I love Facebook, so I have more time to think. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I used to friggin' love talking on the telephone. At a telephone, you know, when I was a young mother and, um, you know, I wanted to talk to other young mothers or my mom or whatever, my sister, whoever, I had this like really long cord on my phone and I would talk and I would walk around the house. I'd do my laundry and I couldn't, I'd do my dishes. I'd take care of my children, you know, fold laundry while I was talking on the phone. I used to love it. I could talk for hours on the phone. And now that we have these computers in our pocket, I get mad when people call me Mickey. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk on the phone. Just like, why aren't you texting me? What kind of, you know, what kind of Neanderthal are you? (laughs) So, I mean, it's like all of these, um, all of this technology is separating us. The internet was supposed to democratize information. It was supposed to make us, um, you know, all have the opportunity to have the same kind, you know, the same kind of information or to put out our own information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just seeing there's like something like 12 zillion bytes. I don't even know. It's the largest number they can think of. 72 uh, of these bytes that that, um, of information go online every day. Wow. Yeah. So here we're looking, oh, look, that's really great. I had a thousand people read my latest article. (laughs) There's like gazillions, like I don't even know the number. But anyway, I do think that the Republicans are going to take back at least the House in 2022. But I don't really like think, you know, I'm an anarchist mostly. So I really don't. And mostly because I live in a country that doesn't take care of its people Yes. And so, you know, I, I tend not to pay too much attention. And there, it's unfortunate that some of our leading questioners of, of mandates and lockdowns have been Republicans. And um, I would think that they would, those, those few would continue to do, to do so. But of course, I, I think that the Republicans and Democrats are owned by the same people. Even, I mean, even Trump's out there encouraging people to get, get the yeah. vaccine, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I think that, that not much will change. I just, um, I've talked about this on my show a couple of times, how that crazy, uh, that lunatic Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan to provoke a nuclear power when Biden's over on the, you know, on the other side, uh, provoking Russia, a nuclear power. And I just like, are we going to get out of this situation that we find ourselves in before it's too late? And how do we get out of it? 
it, it's just really, um, it, it's just really a conundrum. Like I said, it's this, the circle jerk of just chasing our tails and fighting with each other over you know, terminology or like, this is one thing that social media and Facebook has done. It's made people think that we have to agree with each other hundred percent all the time, or we can't have anything to do with each other. I agree. Yeah. It, it's like, I have a, my friend, Allison Gray calls that ideological friends. And it, it takes a while because you're first so excited to have someone that agrees with you on something that feels important in the moment. And then mm -hmm. you realize that, you know, we're all pretty nuanced people with a lot of gray area in there. And you realize there's a lot of things you don't agree with. And back in the day, it sounds, you know, like it sounds like old man yells at cloud. But back in the day, yeah. I would make friends when I worked in a gym. I'd make friends with another trainer. I didn't ask to look at his friend list or his opinion on everything in the world. And if he liked a different type of music than me or rooted for the Mets instead of the Yankees, these weren't big issues like like you were you were buddies and you worked out together and you hung out and and like you said that, that one of their their evil genius move moves has been to divide us into groups on really superficial reasons and i think uh, to tie that together with your previous answers it would be a fool's game to think that the republicans are going to come in as saviors despite the fact that some of them have said some good things about medical tyranny but mm -hmm. um the the this we got to be our own saviors and we have to hook up and connect with other people and get rid of these litmus tests about about uh like you said language and 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 pronouns or whatever it might be and just find what if we can connect on a deeper level because unless we can do that i i'm at this moment not sure what else we can do so i i would take that away from your answer in the sense that yeah, it's it's kind of like in a spectator sense, interesting to see the uh, what the Republicans say versus the Democrat. But as as you and I have been saying forever, it's like they're run by the same people, and now those same people are so vocal as to who they are. Like we know we know the World Economic Forum because they they've taken center stage and told us I know, what they're what they're doing. They used to try and keep secret. Yeah, it's like the CIA and the WEF and so on. They, they have like, they're just out there performing for us because they must be so confident that we've already been, um, that this is fertile ground, that we've already been, that humanity's been beaten out of us. And they, they, I like to think that they're in for a surprise that people are, we, sure, we're malleable. And social media with their bots and their algorithms have found some, major Achilles heels in humanity of how to divide us, how to, to herd us into groups, but they've people on different levels. People have tried that before and failed. So I, to me, it's like the fight just has just begun. And I have, I, I don't want to focus on the negative because the negative is everywhere. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean there isn't positive. And just this conversation is to me is a source for, um, for positive thought and optimism. So I, you know, we're out there. We're going to now we're on Substack and we're going to do our best there without without censorship. And I've seen uh, so many people who come over, uh, promote it and say that they, they really like it. So we I hope it stays the same because I know Patreon used to be good and then it got bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll just we'll just keep we'll just keep doing what, what we can do and when we can do it and when <laughs> it's allowed to do, I guess. Yeah, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll always we'll always find ways around it. it, it, it humanity's always found 
um, black markets and underground ways and all throughout history of connecting and 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 um, uniting and standing up to power. So, but right I don't think we need to keep giving our oppressors the tools all the time. You know, here, just oppress us. Go ahead. <laughs> you yeah. know, what else do you need? Um, <laughs> Do you have my social security and my bank account, my credit card numbers? You know, you know that I'm going to be ordering socks pretty soon. So you <laughs> very, you know, happily show me socks. You know all that. What more do you need from us? So I don't know. It's just like we keep on, we keep on giving our oppressors more money, more power, and more uh, insight into our lives. And I just, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm with you on that. And I like to think, I, I really like to believe that the oppressors, because they're human too, are overplaying their hand. They're making their move too early. They look, they think that perhaps the COVID PSYOP was a situation where they proved that they're ready to make their move. And I think they're in for a surprise. I, I, think, there's, I think there's more people out there than that. Uh, some of them are afraid to speak up so far, but when, but I, I think that video that I mentioned of the father calling the pharmacist. Oh, heartbreaking. I, I see that type of things as sad mm -hmm. as it is as a catalyst where people on a human level are going to say enough. And what about the gorilla at the Chicago Zoo that just died from a sudden death after his COVID shot? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's just things like that. They don't have a choice. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, the kid has myocarditis now. He didn't have a choice. The gorilla didn't have a choice and they're paying. That's like I said, they're paying the hardest prices for, um, I just want to say scaredy cat babies. So they yeah. can feel like they're safer from a flu virus. To me, it's just, it's despicable, appalling. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And people need to realize that th there's no such thing as full security anyway. You know, like you're never who whoever promised us in anywhere in life that we'd be fully safe. And if you're going to start punishing the most vulnerable, as you've been talking about, mm -hmm. the elderly, the the children, and and also the the non-humans, if you're going to start mm -hmm. punishing the most vulnerable, um, my safety at that point isn't my top priority. It's to stop that punishment and. You know, that's what, that's what we're out there doing. And I urge people, check the show notes, check out Cindy's Substack and subscribe. And this is this is where it's going to happen. It's going to happen on, on platforms like Substack. And Cindy, I appreciate you, as always, coming on and talking. It's it's even when the, even when the subject it can be dark at times, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, it's always great to talk to you, too, Mickey. Thank you. I'll be back with a story to tell after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. Um, I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if you are, I'd really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber to Post Woke. For just $5 a month, you get daily content, including these podcasts, at least once a week. That's $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day. So please consider doing this. Your help is essential. It's crucial. And this project depends on it. So thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. I have a story this episode, and I chose it it took place a long time ago, but I chose it as a juxtaposition to conversations about the digital world and, and concepts like social media. You see, I've lived my entire life within concrete landscapes without a hint 
of the digital future. During my earlier years, my juvenile delinquent years, my neighborhood was particularly industrial. Ominous factories, abandoned buildings, long, dark, and forbidden alleyways, and the breed of people who prowl such venues. Children, left to their own devices in this type of environment, will fall back on the type of games that spring from their surroundings. One such popular diversion is officially called Ringolivio, but amongst my crew, it was called Ringolario. According to the always reliable Wikipedia, Ringolario is, quote, a children's game that may be played anywhere but originates on the streets of New York City and is known to have been played there at least as far back as the late 19th century when it was known as Ring Relievio. It is one of the many variations of tag, close quote. Of course, rules vary widely from neighborhood to neighborhood or even block to block. And here's how we played it. Two teams of, say, six to ten kids were formed, and a base, or sometimes called jail, was selected. This might have been a stoop or even a parked car. Team A counted while members of Team B ran off to hide individually anywhere on one square city block. If you left the block, you were eliminated. After the predetermined number count was reached, Team A would set out to find Team B. When they'd find a, TB, a Team B member, that kid would have to be held still long enough, also called tackled, for the Team A member to shout, Ringolario 1231231123. If not, the kid went free. If so, the captured soldier would be brought to the base, which was guarded by a Team A member. I hope that makes sense. Now, when all the Team B members were found and caught, the roles would be reversed, but any Team B member who reached base on his own could hit it and yell free. This would release all his captured team members. As you might imagine, Ringolario could drag on for hours. Now, I shouldn't say drag on. We, we loved it. We were essentially practicing some version of war, but that didn't matter to me in those days. By the time I was in the sixth grade, I had begun to blossom into a star athlete, and thus such games were a chance to shine. I was one of the fastest kids around, strong enough to shrug off capture attempts, and man, I could dodge people out like a street punk version of Barry Sanders. Within a year, my best friend Bobby and I would rarely be allowed to, on the same team. It just wouldn't be fair. But one time, I recall us teaming up with epic results. We played on a block that featured a small factory with a garage door just big enough to fit a truck. Naturally, that door became base. Everyone on our team had been captured except me and Bobby, but we had a plan. We scaled a fence to get onto the roof of the factory itself, maybe 15 feet up. We decided to hang jump down on either side of the kid guarding the garage door base. To do this, you hang by your fingertips from the lip of the roof to reduce the distance of the jump and the chance of injury. On the count of three, me and Bobby let go. About 10 feet of airtime straight down and the base guard was totally shocked. I was closest to him, so he grabbed for me while Bobby freed everyone else. One of the free kids circled back to free me, and our team had a full, fresh start. In the days before video games and the internet, this was the stuff of legends. I mean, think about it. 
if you add in some techno music and special effects, what I just described was basically a set piece from a buddy action flick. For us, it was just another night on the block. By the eighth grade, Ringolario had transformed into Kissolario. The girls that we hung out with would go out to hide, and the boys would turn the block upside down to find any of them. You see, the quote-unquote rules stated that if a boy found a girl, they were required to engage in a roughly five-minute makeout session. If there was chemistry, those rules might be bent. Despite the sociological impacts of this variation on the theme, there remains plenty to admire about pursuits like Ringolario or Kissolario. We lower middle class urban kids created our own fun outside of our homes. We used our imaginations and became our own video game characters. Who needs Facebook when you're out seeking mischief and adventure every single day? Today, American children between the ages of 8 and 18 spend an average of nine hours a day indoors staring at screens. So I wouldn't trade one minute of a childhood that featured Ringolario and Kissolario for all the digital devices in the world. That childhood also helped teach me to keep my guard up. <laughs>